welcome. My name is Temp. I'm Dante. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. So Dante has been regaling us with the effects from this new Discord voice mod changer that he got. Uh, and we're just, we're loving it. We're tickled. Do you have anything else, Dante? Um, I mean, I don't don't know if we'll get copyrighted for this, but (laughs) we can try. It's almost Christmas. (laughs) That's the Santa one that not only lays down some Christmas music under it, but also lowers your voice so you sound like Santa. It's kind of weird, but um, yeah, it's not just for Discord, but it's like you can put this in OBS. And I, I mean, I'm playing with the free version and the voices change. So uh, they, they changed it 25 minutes for me. So if I'm going to do anything stupid with it uh, for this podcast, I guess we're going to have to do it in the next 25 minutes. Oh, OK. Well, maybe I would love to hear a few of them kind of sprinkled through the episode. Um, so we'll if, you, if you're able to surprise us with that, I think that would just be that would just be wonderful. Yeah, we don't want to be obnoxious with it, but we'll uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. Speak for yourself. All right, so uh, talking about the news this week, uh, let's start with our headliner. The thing that people were talking about, I think it still makes sense to call this our headliner. We have Speed Gaming Live 2020, which just wrapped up. I'm going to immediately bounce it over to Herf because he was on the front lines for this one as one of the administrators. I understand there were a lot of challenges to deal with, and uh, I, I think they were all dealt with beautifully. Herf, how are you feeling now that STL 2020 is over? Oh, very thankful. <laughs> it, uh, I have to say, uh, as much as I would have loved to follow it more closely, it was kind of hard for me to pay attention to anything that was going on because we were taking care of so many tournaments and all kinds of you know fires that sprung up everywhere. Uh, it was sort of hard to follow anything, really. Like I saw that a lot of matches happened, but I saw almost none of them and barely like recognized any other results it was just such a blur of craziness especially in the beginning with all the group stages but uh i'm I'm glad it went as well as it did i'm uh, sure we've had some stuff that wasn't super great but uh I'm, i'm glad it went as well as it did and we got it all over with nice so i suppose we should announce the winner of the ALTTPR tournament. It came down to Jem versus Relkin. Jem, as you'll remember, was the runner-up in the first STL in 2019. Uh, and Relkin is the winner of STL 2020. So that means Jem was a two-time silver medalist. Uh, my heart breaks for him. Not too much, though, because he still won a ton of money playing Rando. Um, but yeah, to be so close both both years, um, man, that's really tough. But what a what a wonderful uh, player Gem is to to make it that far also as well. And in, in the live element of it too, you know, we've talked in depth about the difference between playing live and you know playing in in your own you know computer room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the one thing that that I will say about this whole STL thing is they actually did a pretty good job simulating that by requiring webcams. I know there were some folks who weren't super happy about that rule and it kind of was, you know, maybe crossed some there, – there's some questions about it, you know, because it's not just showing up to a place. It's like allowing someone to see the inside of your house, which I can understand if people have, you know, um, trepidations about. But I will say it was cool to see everybody's faces and see some expressions and reactions to seeds they were playing um, you know, obviously that's not something we get with main tournaments or really with any other tournament in the 
community. Uh, but Dante, I will say in particular, actually had some pretty entertaining reactions to some things that happened while he was playing. <laughs> yeah. um, Dante, did you feel like you were very aware of the fact that you were on camera while you were playing? <laughs> yes, I was very aware of it. And so I, I said this in like one of my like a restream like post race thing. It was it's like when I'm playing ladder, I'll have Mike on and I'll have Cam on and I'll just kind of be chatting and it's like. You know, obviously, we're not talking about spoilers in the seat or anything, but we're talking just, you know, about, oh, well, that just happened. Great. You know, and it's kind of like hearing my thoughts. So the first race I did wasn't restreamed, and I just felt like super awkward the whole time because I wasn't like doing anything. I was just kind of like shaking my head because, uh, you know, or nodding. Uh, you know, there was a couple reactions when I got like an item after, you know, going down a pendant rabbit trail or something and got excited about it. Uh but <clears throat> I figured the only way I could really make myself personally comfortable with it was do what I felt like I was doing. So a lot of times I was just kind of either laughing about some stuff that was happening in game or laughing about my train of thoughts or just kind of talking it out. So, you know, even with the mic off. So I was pretending my mic was on. I was pretending I was talking to a chat that wasn't there. And it, it kind of helped me settle in. It didn't help me play any better because I went one and three in groups, which was really a, a, a downer. But uh, I had fun doing it, and I'm. It, it was it was nice to see everyone's reactions when stuff would happen. Um, it gave commentators something else to talk about too, so I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it was. I think it was a success considering, you know, everything in 2020. Uh, all the hurdles for everybody in personal lives, you know, stuff like this with gaming, uh, you know, with in-person events. So I, I think, you know, from the player side, I thought it was kind of cool. I don't really want webcams everywhere, but mm -hmm. I also wouldn't mind them being everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's really cool. And at the same time, it, it makes me feel really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. It's this weird thin line. It's like, I like seeing everyone else on camera, but I don't necessarily always want to be on camera myself. So I realize that kind of double standard, and I, I don't think that other tournaments should require a camera, but I was glad of, of this one because it was cool to you know see people just in the same way that after Speed Gaming Live 2019, that was kind of our takeaway from that was like it was cool to see people and match up faces to names and all that. Yeah, I think um, the big thing with yeah. that, if if we could do a tournament besides, you know, a live, like something simulating live like this that had like a face cam requirement. And unfortunately this would kind of like take away the need for commentators. Uh, and obviously, you know, I I'm, I'm being really picky here. Like if, if you could listen to the player, like their, their audio feed. So like you could hear them talk, like, like me talking through the seed, like hearing that, not that everybody wants to hear me. I'm just saying like, that would be kind of a neat element. I think, uh, you know, some people aren't really comfortable doing that. They just want to be quiet and they, you know, they're fine just staring at the screen and playing and, you know, reacting here and there. But, um, but yeah, it would be kind of cool to, to have that element, I guess, too, which is why we have ladder. You can just kind of watch your favorite person play, uh, play, play like randomizer, right? <laughs> yeah. You've got me thinking of like, you know, uh, at halftime in American football when everyone's jogging into the locker and uh, a reporter comes up and sticks a microphone in a player's face, be like, oh, what kind of changes are you going to make going into the second half? Oh, you know, we got to run the ball better. We got, you know, like it would it would be cool if there was some sort of equivalent of that to right. LTTPR where, 
you know, maybe when you're like, um, you know, like waiting for Ganon's Tower to open, you turn over and you answer a couple quick questions, you know, and that gets broadcasted out. That would be that would be fun. No, that's all. I just think it would be fun. Uh, <laughs> any any other final thoughts on STL? It's you know, it's over now. I feel like we talked about it quite a bit when it was going on, although there's probably more we could say about it. Um, I'm ready to talk about other things. What about you guys? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. Let's talk about ALTTPR League. Uh, we took a brief uh, pause on that last week because of STL, but now we are back. So uh, Pilot Week just sort of finished up, and now we are in the midst of Mystery Week. Uh, Dancy, are you doing mystery? I am. So nice. uh, it's going to be <laughs> – I know I just kind of left that there for you. Uh, <laughs> no. no, it's uh, – I mean, obviously, I don't know what kind of seed we're going to get. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have – uh, generated some uh, league mystery seeds just to kind of see <clears throat> what kind of, you know, is it entrance? Is it, you know, is it keys? Is it, you know, standard, you know, enemizer, all that other good stuff. But uh, I- I'll just kind of take it in stride. Whatever shows up, we'll play it. And uh, we're playing uh, the Bomb Squad. So I think uh, Nep and I, for my team or our team, uh, we're going to be playing against, we haven't decided who's playing who yet. And we've kind of, talked about schedules because you know it's a a holiday week here in america so we've got a little bit of a hurdle with that but not too much but yeah i think we're playing against uh fred coughlin and uh so we'll see uh you know we'll see how that all goes all right how was uh pilot week for you uh we our team titans mitt split one and one it was pretty nice uh uh the 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 fight between me and checks was one to to watch i think there was like a nine second difference i i I had a little bit of a lead a bigger lead going into ganon's tower and this is where look this is where being able to screen cheat is a detriment because i was looking and instead of just playing the game i was looking and like he's catching me he's catching me and i'm making mistakes because (laughs) of it so like it's it when it comes down to the line at the end like that and it's all execution like there's like zero point in watching it's just gonna i feel like it's just a detriment to you yeah that's that was one thing that we didn't really factor in until the actual race itself too because so what dandy's talking about here is with the pilot week uh you are allowed to stream snipe there's no reason not to you already know where all the items are thanks to your pilot with the spoiler log so like yeah sure go ahead if you want to um and so i think what most teams do what we did at least was like we played the seed out more or less got everything routed and then once it was like okay i know what i'm doing from here until the end of the seed let's go ahead and check in and see about how we're doing do we have time for safeties are we ahead are we behind um but yeah i can see how it could be stressful for us the time that i ran and arusta was my pilot we lost by about three minutes um it the seed went okay though i I finished in an hour two minutes and 30 some odd seconds so it was a real jet but um i definitely made some mistakes uh where my opponent uh cj and uh his pilot mcmonkey did not um it's a fun mode i like doing it every now and then but i also like not knowing where things are i think that's pretty fun too so i'll be looking forward to doing mystery i think the two things with mystery that you really got to look out for are animizer and inverted those are going to be the two that might just like stop some runners dead in their tracks. So I'll definitely be uh, trying to hit one of each of those before my race. Uh, I would assume probably like Black Friday or something like that. But yeah, should be should be a fun time. 
Um, what do you guys think? Should we move on? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Okay. GMP community updates. Hit me with that jangle. <laughs> uh, so this, that's the letter S, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the jingle. Mm-hmm. That's the jingle. Da-da-da. Uh, can you do? Oh, do you have different pitches? No, I don't. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. Okay, I was thinking maybe like a sports center thing. Anyway, overworld glitches mentor tournament. We are in the midst of. Okay, I don't think I said this name before last time because we didn't know it, but it is the best name for this kind of type of thing that I think ever could have been devised. We are in the middle of boots camp. So this is a boot camp for boots glitches. <clears throat> it's boots camp. Uh, it's incredible name. I love it. I'm so happy that we're connected to it. Uh, that is happening right now. I I would love to just like read out a schedule of like tonight this and tomorrow that. But honestly, um, you know, everyone who's registered has the role. They're in our Discord. They've been notified of everything that's going on. If you are a latecomer and you still want to participate, really the best thing you can do is just get into our Discord and start asking some questions. And um, we should be able to get you the role and you can get into some of these uh, training events uh, that are happening. Mostly it's just been... You know, one of the mentors will jump into one of our voice chats and do a video stream in there. And then folks will come in and just watch them and ask questions. And then the mentees will get on video and open up a practice hack. And then the mentors will critique them. So it seems like there's a lot of good learning going on so far. Um, Just to give you kind of a reminder of how this is working, we have like all this free form practicing that's going on this week. Uh, We have, I think, about 20 or so people that are signed up as mentees for week one. And then we will ask everybody if they still want to be involved. Uh, And then hopefully we have at least 16 people who say, yes, let's keep going. And then we're going to do a straight up just lottery with those folks to see who will be our 16 moving forward. But I'm pleased to announce it seems like our numbers have worked out pretty well. Uh, We had we have 13 mentors as of right now, which was I I think I said a dozen. So I was like almost right on with that. Um, And uh, maybe a few more racers than I thought we would. But I think that's a good problem to have. Uh, so yeah, uh, huge shout outs to Malmo, who's been kind of the driving force, my my co-admin doing all of this. Um, and of course, the team she's assembled, we have Orange and Michael K. And we also brought on Espion as sort of our head professor for Boots Camp, because he said he had a lot of ideas for ways to demonstrate a lot of these glitches. And we're more than happy to have him helping out because he's really good with this kind of thing. Uh, so that's what's going on with the OWGMT. We will keep you updated on that. Uh, but, you know, best of luck to all of our mentees and mentors and a huge shout out to all of our volunteers for making all this happen. Uh, so next up, I wanted to just briefly touch on we don't necessarily have like corrections from our randomizer episode, the last one we just did. Uh, but I did hear from VTorp and he did want to kind of make like a clarification Um, In speaking about one of the files that we mentioned, random assumed, uh, it's named that because assumed fill is the type of fill. And there used to be other fills historically that were not as random. Uh, There was like a swap fill and an evenly distributed fill. So random assumed is the assumed fill and it's a differentiator from those other types. And it just kind of became the norm. Uh, random is referring to the fact that there's no special weighting on the locations. It's a true random. So uh, thanks to Vitor for clearing that up. I'm thinking we'll probably have him on for a part two at some point. I know he's definitely game for it. 
I know there's a ton we can learn. There's uh, still a lot more to talk about on the topic of the randomizer. So we will look forward to having him on to talk more about that. And then Cassidy Moen also uh, chimed in in on Discord to provide a little bit more insight into the whole topic. Uh, And Cassidy said, "Random, uh, Random Assume Fill is the name of the algorithm it uses for filling, which assumes you have access to certain items that will in turn give you access to the location when placing a certain item there. Suppose the very first item is placed, uh, the very first item that's placed is Hookshot at Desert Torch. It doesn't know where Book and Boots will be, but it can assume that when it does place them later, they will be accessible. Uh, All the unplaced items are assumed, and it also uses those to figure out which already placed items can be reached at any given point. Uh, And Lumaga was also a part of this conversation and posted this particular example of the requirements to get into desert i think it that's the kind of thing i'd love to look even more into so thanks to cassidy uh, also for providing more clarification there and again that's a, a rich vein that we will tap into again finally let's go ahead and talk about our bi-weekly seeds i i want to report in and say gentlemen that uh nobody came back and said yes i'm disappointed when you don't play these or no i don't care if you play them or not So I think no news on this is just like, don't feel bad if you don't play it. Uh, I know I won't. Um, Yeah. So I just wanted to report back on that. Um, That being said, I have not not played the last one, Uh, although I want to. I was thinking maybe after this I might or after dinner tonight, I might dip into it. Um, But in keeping up thematically with releasing biweekly seeds that have something to do with current events in the community or the episode or anything like that. I think, first of all, I want to recommend for this one that you use maybe a sprite that you haven't used before. I think that would be fun. Uh, Mix it up. There's so many available, and we're going to outline some of them when we have Mike Trethway on here in just a moment. I, I, I want to say try a sprite that you haven't tried before. But in terms of what we give you, I'm thinking we'll just kind of go along with what the league as done as we have in the past, and we'll give you an all dungeon key sanity so you can practice for that if you're in the league. Um, that was Dang, actually Dante's stealing, idea. Dante. Stealing my thunder, like just <laughs> I literally was just saying like, that was your idea, yeah, just taking it away. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna uh do that, and it's gonna be uh 80 keys. That's either good or bad, depending on your viewpoint, and um, I think it's bad because I hate 80 keys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget AD keys. You have to be Aga one. Don't don't try to just rush Ganon before you do that. Yeah, it's um, uh it's Castle Tower uh hunt key hunt simulator. Um, yeah, I mean, luckily, mm-hmm. like th- this is like I feel like that mode. Uh, I'm 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 in a griping complaining category, I guess, right now. But <laughs> uh, that mode is literally. I hope it is an Aga seed because that means I'm guaranteed to get those keys early. I don't have to worry about you know. Um, like multiple ice rods, so to speak. But all that being said, 80 keys week coming up uh, with the league. I'm just really glad that I am not playing that. So <laughs> mm, there you go. Cool. All right. So uh, yeah, I think we're ready to get into our interview. Um, we had Mike Trethaway on uh, a uh, ALT TBR sprite developer um, was one of the people responsible for making it so that there even are custom sprites available in ALT TPR. So Let's uh, open the rock to interview world and talk with Mike. Hey guys, Tuesday Temp here, and I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that the audio you are about to hear, specifically Mike Trethway's audio, is a bit distorted and staticky. I tried to fix it for hours. I looked for guides online to try to mitigate some of the noise in his audio, and I did apply quite a few filters and fixes to get it to the uh, state that you're going to hear it. But what we ended up with essentially sounds like he's speaking through one of those voice changers set to the robot setting. Now, that is to say that it's definitely understandable, lol. <laughs> you can definitely tell what he's saying just fine as long as you're not listening to this in like a warehouse or something. And the other good news is that it definitely gets better the longer the interview goes. I think the beginning is probably the worst part. So, you know, power through that. And honestly, you'll probably get used to it. The alternative to this disclaimer was to scrap the entire interview. And we definitely didn't want to do that because Mike does a great job explaining the history of custom sprites in ALTTPR and how they're made and how you can make them. And he even gives us some news about an uncle sprite. Let's go. So, yeah, again, apologies with regards to the audio quality on this one, but stick with it. And I think you'll be glad that you did. All right. On with the interview. Up next on the program, we are excited to welcome our guest, an expert on custom sprites in A Link to the Past randomizer. We are joined today by Mike Trethaway. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for being on the show. So you may recognize Mike's name from the credits of an ALTTPR seed. Uh, he is involved in the development of the game. He is also the author of a application called Sprite Something that allows people to work on uh, getting their sprites into games like A Link to the Past Randomizer. Um, so we will get into all that stuff. But before we do, Mike, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe start with kind of your background in coding and development, kind of how you got into all of that. So I've actually done uh, quite a bit of different code developments. Um, bit of history about me. I started using computers at age two. Um, my father got a job at Intel uh, the same year I was born. And so uh, we had many different computers and opportunities to uh, work with uh, that kind of system while I was at a young age. Um, he first taught me how to write a web page when I was 12. And then I used that knowledge to then also uh, learning how to read uh, function definitions like an HTML uh, document type definitions or say PHP function lists. Um, those were also the two uh, languages or markup languages that I started with and then branched out from there. Um, as a developer, I then took my you know, basic coding background and moved into using uh, integrated development environments like Eclipse for Java or Visual Studio Code more recently for things like um, uh, Python and such. Uh, I did a lot of my PHP development actually in uh, standard text editor, uh, one that my dad used called TextPad, which I uh, lovingly referred to as Notepad on Crack. <laughs> and uh, it uh, just does a lot of stuff that Notepad can do and is basically um, you know, just a handful of bells and whistles that make uh, life easier. Yeah. Um, did you grow up playing video games? Yeah. So... Uh, I've got a little brother, Daniel. He's five years younger than me. And uh, before uh, he was born, we had an Atari uh, 5200 in the house. And uh, my dad, being the electrical engineer, was like, hey, let's pull apart Pac-Man and see what it looks like on the circuit board. So 
every time I wanted to play Pac-Man, it sucked to actually remove it from the console because it <laughs> didn't have the shell on it anymore. But uh, that was the start. Um, I was playing a bunch of uh, games on the computer that um, that taught me how to navigate DOS to be able to run uh, the games I wanted to play. Um, and then uh, our first uh, handheld after my brother was born was uh, we got a fleet of Game Boys. Uh, so it was one for each kid, um, and one for dad and one for mom. And then um, we eventually moved into our Sega Genesis. Uh, and then later on, we actually did get a Super Nintendo that Daniel bought with its own money um, a fair bit later, uh, after it was mainstream. And then that's actually when I was introduced to A Link to the Past. Uh, and he and I would play, um, we'd have our own site files on his cart. And uh, we just every morning before school, we would be plugging away at the game, trying to get through it. And, you know, back then it took us, you know, months to actually get through. And actually, I had never uh, completed the game without uh, assistance of a cheat device uh, prior to my experience with uh, the Link to the Past Transmission. Hmm. So, uh, like, Game Genie was common in your household, things like that. Yes, I made sure we had a Game Genie for every console we had. <laughs> so, in terms of A Link to the Past, like, Dante's on record as saying he would come back, what, like, on a yearly basis and play it yeah. all the time. It's one of your favorite games, right? Right. Um, w- was that the case for you, Mike, or was it something that you, like, came back to after after many years? I think it was an early news story on Kotaku that actually brought me to the community um, back when version 7 downloadable was still running uh, as the base way to get a randomized game file. Um, I have to admit, uh, I was addicted to my Game Boy, and it was uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog series on our Sega Genesis that uh, kept me coming back to uh, those kinds of video games. Hmm. Um, and I was huge on racing games like um, Daytona USA and uh, the Cruisin' series and things like that. So actually getting into um, the Link to the Past culture again was kind of a fluke. Um, it was more interest in, uh, oh, they move stuff around and see what that's like. Um, and then like very quickly, I got into the customization scene and then uh, jumped into the custom site. Very cool. And um, so that that's what we're going to talk about today, specifically uh, custom sprites in A Link to the Past randomizer. Um, so this is something that, that Mike can, can speak to sort of as an expert. For, for the rest of us, for the, the three of us on the show, I think I can speak for the three of us in saying we don't know a whole lot about the specifics of what goes into it, the history behind it. Um, and I would assume that's probably true for a lot of our listeners as well. So we're uh, very much looking forward to getting into that. I want to start by setting that up uh, by going back a million years ago to our fourth episode in which we had Vtorp on the show. Uh, we asked him all sorts of questions, and he talked a little bit about the development of custom sprites in A Link to the Past Randomizer. So what he said was that a person whom he did not name came in and said they wanted to use a Zelda sprite uh, and, you know, basically... He used the word like demanded that Vtorp and his team add that to the game. And Vtorp was like, uh, no, if you want it in the game, you should try to figure out how to make it happen if you want to. And then they went and they did it. They figured out how to. 
And the reason was they basically discovered or took advantage of, I should at least say, that every bit of graphics in the game is compressed into uh, one megabyte ROM that is a link to the past, except for Link Sprite, which is loaded directly from the ROM to the graphics area. So you can interchangeably, you know, change out the pixel art there and swap all of that out and still have the game load at the same speed that it does if you have Link there. So uh, that's just kind of a refresher for people who have been listening since the beginning. That's about as much as I know about the history of custom sprites. But Mike, I understand uh, in preparation for this episode, you've put together some notes that go into a little bit more detail on this topic. So uh, tell us if you could about the history of custom sprites and maybe how much of of, what we touched on uh, are things that you know about. What I noticed is there's actually a lot of input on the Zeldix forums, Z-E-L-D-I-X.net. And uh, there's a Zelda 3 hacking section that actually has some uh, very early sprite development in there. And a lot of them are uh, placed as, you know, IPS patch files. And, for example, you can see a very early edit of uh, Samus and a very early edit of Zelda, uh, likely the one that you are referencing. And uh, the article I see here is from uh, March of 2014. So uh, it was actually quite a while ago that people were starting to get into this. Oh, wow. And uh, as you mentioned, it is the fact that Link Sprite is uncompressed. If you open the game file in um, an editor that translates the binary into uh, 4 bits per pixel uh, image data, you can actually see uh, the Link Sprite sheet uh, in there as raw data. You can see all the shapes. Now, it's not going to be uh, the proper palette colors unless you load the proper palette and have the program interpreted that way. And so that allowed us to uh, put that information in there and meet uh, VTORP's requirement of having it be, you know, uh, timing neutral for being able to process that data. That's very important for the racing part of the community. Mm. And as a developer on a couple uh, programs that help with that, that has been actually a very large struggle trying to make sure that everything uh, is the same, whether or not people choose to have a difference right or not. Um, another way to get around that that is a developer trick is to um, still use the injection process to put a custom sprite into it, but put a custom sprite that is the basic uh, link sprite anyway so that it doesn't look visually different, but it uh, could be um, represented differently in the code. Mm. What is the benefit of doing that way? Does that achieve the same effect of looking like a different sprite? Or uh, What it attempts to do is any other custom changes that might have been implemented if you were to put a custom sprite in, uh, it'll make it so that it runs through all the same um, functions and procedures uh, regardless of if you had a, a custom sprite in there or not. I gotcha. Uh, well, one can certainly understand the importance of not changing the load time for the racing community. I can definitely appreciate uh, you know, VTorb's sort of ultimatum there. Uh, you did reference this story that VTorb brought up about being approached by a particular person. Do you have any ideas who that may have been? I don't know precisely who that was. However, I do see that uh, the... Uh, Zelda hack is attributed to a uh, person called uh, Crimson, and it looks like it is uh, hosted by, um, actually, this is a member of the uh, Link to the Past speedrunning community, ACMLN, uh, 
it looks like it's hosted on their uh, domain uh, for that original uh, sprite hack. Okay. Or playing as Zelda in Owen to the Past. All right, so we have maybe some answers there, but also a little bit of mystery. I, I like that. I like leaving it at that. Um, very cool. So people were, were sort of toying with this idea all the way back in 2014, and you found some sort of form evidence to corroborate this. Once uh, that requirement had been met, um, you know, of, of you know the team that you mentioned, of you guys working on it, kind of what happened from there, like uh, working with VTorp to get it added into the game, and, and how long was it until it was rolled out and able to be, you know, widely accessed by anybody? So at first, uh, we just had some basic patcher programs that uh, would put that data into a game file afterward, but it still wasn't quite um, robust enough to get an online version uh, for the website uh, randomizer uh, to get that running. Um, I would like to step back a little bit for some more of the history. Um, sure. The randomizer itself was uh, confined to a channel on the A Link to the Past SRL Discord server. And then some custom player sprites were happening at that time. You know, people were making their own uh, full ROM hacks and putting in their own characters. And eventually, uh, my team was able to extract those custom characters and make them as options. Mm. Um, uh, Desi Rep made the uh, standalone downloadable uh, version 7 application. And then Vitor uh, went with version 8, making the website generator. Um, and then eventually, uh, the entire community of the Link to the Past Randomizer created their own uh, Discord server. And we've been there ever since. I don't have a date on precisely when that occurred. But um, I do have a timeline of the different uh, programs used to actually create the custom sprites uh, for uh, injection into game files. Awesome. Yeah, lay it on us. All right. So if you jump into the sprites channel on the link to the past randomizer discord, um, there is a program that nowadays we don't generally like uh, people using. That is a YY char, YYCHR. And it was initially, I believe, um, it's a East Asian uh, origin. And so the English is a little uh, shallow, but it works okay. Um, this we found is not really great for making a custom sprite for a link to the past. It's really good for editing in place within the game file. So it was really good for starting out uh, learning what the format looks like and how we can extract that and then extrapolate a way to uh, try and make that easier. Um, and so it's not so great for heavy management. Uh, we um, eventually were able to make a new custom file format .spr for Sprite that only had raw imagery data, precisely what you see in the game file if you were to open it. Uh, in actually, uh, YYHR is a good example of a program where you can load the game file and take a look at the uh, vanilla Sprite data in there. Um, eventually, we added custom palette information to the .spr file format, which was just tacked on as raw binary to the end of the imagery data. And uh, because we eventually found where we can change the um, palette information for the different armor mail upgrades for Link. Um, and then there were other issues we ran into later where the uh, lower eight 
colors were actually shared by other NPCs. And so we had to figure out what we were going to do about a solution for that, Mm. be it um, tell our spriters that they can't use those, or if they do, know that it's going to change other stuff, and hopefully they can make it so that it doesn't change those other characters drastically. Or eventually, uh, I'll get to during the Sprite Something development, uh, um, my partner Artho was actually able to uh, write custom code to separate those NPCs from those global palettes. So now we have access to a lot more colors for each custom sprite. And so that's basically the beginning of the first application that was used. And then uh, in October 2017, um, a couple of us in the community started building new applications, uh, brand new for being able to uh, streamline making uh, spriting easier. It wasn't simple, but it was definitely easier. Um, well, I'm very much in, enjoying this, uh, you know, the timeline and just getting this explanation of this. I don't really have any questions. Uh, Dancy Herb, do you guys have any questions at this point? No, it's just interesting to listen to and to hear about how everything got started and where it had its roots, so to speak. I, I, I distinctly remember the times when uh, everyone was fussing about with YYchar and, you know, trying to make it work. And it, I remember the program. That's you know pretty much how far I got into sprite development ever. <laughs> well, hopefully with the new stuff that we've made, uh, getting into sprite development hopefully will be a lot less uh, intimidating from the YYHR interface. Unfortunately, it is still 200 frames that we have to build to be able to build a link sprite. Mm-hmm. That's, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, you have my attention, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, fellow by the name of uh, Spannerisms on GitHub, that's his current uh, username, he um, was able to uh, start making a program called ping to 4 bpp And the input is a ping image. And 4 bits per pixel, again, is the uh, bit depth for the uh, graphics for link in A Link to the Past. Uh, there are other sprites that are only 3 bits per pixel uh, that we're trying to figure out how to edit. But uh, the... Compression and decompression for that is taking a bit more time to figure out. But once we get the algorithm worked out, uh, the rest of the interface should be able to streamline that development as well. Wow. So, um, Spannerisms enjoyed working in Java, uh, and it's great that that was their uh, favorite language, but it is incredibly difficult to share a project with. Uh, because of all the different uh, setup you have to do with uh, Eclipse, like I mentioned earlier, to make sure that all the packages are assigned properly and the uh, developer environment can actually uh, read and find everything in the project. And so I, for quite a while, I had a thought in the back of my head, you know, I'm going to try and move the project away from Java when I can. But uh, at first, you know, he was putting a lot of effort into uh, just getting something written. And at that point, it didn't really matter what it was written in. It just needed to get figured out and then could be translated later. Um, I did my best to work with those limitations, but it was indeed an interesting affair. And uh, SPR export was eventually implemented into the pin to 4 BBP setup. Um, It eventually got rolled into a thing that we called the ALTT ping suite. We'll play on words there. (laughs) A link to the past, portable network graphics format. And uh, Sprite Animator is the heavy hitter in that 
uh, and basically the rolled King Deform DPD into Sprite Animator. And what it does is uh, we made standardized animation definitions, and it gave the ability to view animations without having to load it into a game file each time to see your edits. Because that took forever. You'd have oh. to inject it into the game file, start up the game in your emulator or on your flash cart, go to wherever in the game those animations would take place, and then you could see what the changes were. With Sprite Animator, you just choose the animation you want it to show, and it'll run it for you. Uh, the hard part was actually writing the database of all of those animations. That is uh, really fascinating, because I have checked out Sprite something, and uh, I know we'll get a lot more into that um, in, in a little bit here, but it has, you know, kind of that same function where you can see the animation of, you know, Link swinging the sword or the sprite swinging the sword, for instance, or something like that. And once you look at a full sprite sheet, you notice just how many of them are transitionary that you're not usually staring at for a long time. It's just the one that appears in between this common one and that common one. And you really can't make that very well, I would imagine, without being able to see the animation um, you know, while kind of while you're making it and make tweaks back and forth. So that, that makes a ton of sense to me. That's really, uh, I never would have thought that would be, uh, something that needs to be overcome, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. One thing we did was we made a sprite called bordered boxes where it was each row in the sprite sheet is a letter and each column was a number. So it went from a zero to, I believe, uh, a, a, b or no to a, b, seven <laughs> so we had quite a few in there yeah and uh so no it, it was yeah ab7 and uh so moving on from sprite animator we have palette creator and zarby 89 uh wrote that program and you'll see him doing a lot of work in the link to the past randomizer community he is generally the think tank of all the crazy ideas so if it's something that you're like why did anyone come up with this hairbrained idea? It's probably his. <laughs> That's Zarby's reputation. Definitely. And okay. he comes up with really neat off-the-wall stuff. And so okay. he wrote um, his own program in a variant of Visual C to be able to edit the palette of custom sprites and then eventually also implemented SPR export for his program. Gotcha. So how many programs are we up to at this point? Uh, so that's YYCHR, which is, you know, very rudimentary. Uh, the ALTTP swing, sorry, the ALTTP suite, which has ping to 4 BPD and Sprite Animator. It also has the lesser known, uh, oh, what did we call it? Sprite filter, where if you give it a sprite and then it will put a filter across it, like you can make it twice as wide or twice as tall or take the uh, borders and put uh, static uh, colors uh, all around in it. Um, and so that was uh, not really worked on as much, but as, you know, a little interesting. So that's YYCHR for one, the ALTT ping suite for two, uh, palette creator for three. Are, are there any more? Yeah. Um, after that, we've got Z Sprite Tools by Sosuke3 as well as um, Zarbi89. So Zarbi started with Palette Creator, and Sosuke took the Palette Creator code and folded it into uh, ZSprite tools. Um, somewhere in here, we got custom code for custom glove upgrade colors, and we wanted to make um, 
it easier to be able to work with that. And we found where that information was stored. Unfortunately, we encountered a bug later where we noticed, oh, it's actually being overwritten when you actually get the upgrades. Um, and so we had to make it so that the overwriting doesn't actually happen. So again, you know, developer hell, we have to go through and <laughs> you make one bug, you fix it, and now you got 10 more. <laughs> yeah. So would, uh, just to make sure I follow here, would the implication be if you were able to do that, you could change uh, the appearance of the sprite when a glove is collected? Yes. So when you gain, or to start out, if you've got no glove upgrades, um, it's one color. If you gain the power glove, it changes to a second color. And when you gain the Titan Smiths, it changes to a third color. Um, initially, Link uses that as his gloves. Um, one thing that, uh, you know, moved on with the creativity is I believe the current version of the Zelda sprite we have, the jewel in her tiara changes color based on the glove upgrade that you have. Oh, I've never noticed this. Huh. Maybe I don't use the right sprites, but I had no idea this was happening on, on some of them. Yeah, and so that has also become a fun thing that people like to do when they're making their custom sprites. That's cool. I got to start paying closer attention to some of these sprites when they get upgrades and things like that. I didn't even know to yeah. look for it. Uh, in addition to the mail upgrades, yeah, we're looking out for the uh, glove upgrades. Um, changes in the colors are not necessarily a requirement for a sprite. It's nice. Some sprites, it doesn't even make sense to do, uh, depending on what it is. Huh. Um, and so these sprite tools ended up being a rewrite of sprite animator using the guts from palette creator. And we invented a brand new, um, yet again, uh, sprite format. This called, this time called ZSPR. The Z stands for Zarbi. <laughs> and um, this allowed us to add more metadata for the custom glove colors instead of, again, just tacking it onto the end like we did with the old SPR format. Um, the Z sprite format also allowed us to add things like the, um, the artist's name and as well as the name of the sprite, because that information was not included in the first uh, file format, the regular old .spr. And so uh, updating the sprite information for the website um, was a lot more difficult to do. Uh, by the time we had, um, I think, Palette Creator uh, really on its rails moving forward is when uh, the implementation into the website randomizer generator actually got the custom sprite options there uh, but again it was very limited and required several different pieces to put together not just the sprite file but also the name and the artist had to be in separate databases now with the z sprite format we were able to include that metadata in the file itself hmm. okay seems like an important distinction makes life a lot easier you know just to know who made what and all that yeah. good stuff. And then that was all during um, October 2017 and up until the end of 2017 with all of those tools. Uh, Ping before BPP, part of the ALTPP, ALTP Ping suite for the second, the first, again, being YYCHR, which was much older, uh, Sprite Animator, Palette Creator, and C Sprite Tools, all within that last quarter of 2017. 
Um, so, so if you want to make a sprite, you've got to wrangle all of these programs together and learn how to use them. If you want to use them effectively, yeah. Um, oh, if you want to even have a custom sprite in your game. Right. So nowadays, uh, Z Sprite Tools is um, mm-hmm. the most feature-rich of the older array of programs. Uh, most of the other ones have been folded into it. So um, it also has that uh, animation system that you were uh, talking about, the, you know, the animation preview. Um, so that functionality of Sprite Animator got moved in. Um, there is one bit where you can uh, ask the program basically, okay, so I see this frame in the sheet. What animations is that frame used in? Uh, Spanners mm-hmm. called that the sheet trawler, and we have not yet implemented that into uh, Z Sprite Tools nor Sprite Something, which I'm going to touch on very soon. I could see how that'd be useful when you're working on a particular one to know, okay, it looks great in this transition right here, but apparently it's used in another uh, animation and it doesn't look so good in that one. Precisely. Yeah. And so in February of 2019, uh, Artho and I started writing Sprite Something, which is a rewrite of Sprite Animator and Palette Creator, um, as well as portions of Z Sprite Tools, but written in Python instead. And in Python, it's much easier to share development with that. Mm. Um, and the driving force really behind Sprite Something was uh, the A Link to the Past and Super Metroid combination randomizer that came out. Uh, that one, too, was started off as a joke. Um, I don't know if we want to go into a very short history of that. <laughs> I'm willing to hear the joke. All right. So this fellow by the name of Total was uh, developing. He actually made a base Super Metroid randomizer, again, based on uh, Desirec, uh, made the initial version of that, just like we did for the Link to the Past randomizer in version up to version 7 as well. And so Total was talking around in the, um, I, I don't recall if it was the Link to the Past SRL Discord server or the Super Metroid hacking Discord server, but he made the offhanded comment, hey, what happens if we smash together the Link to the Past randomizer and a Super Metroid randomizer. And then a week later, he had a working proof of concept. <laughs> wow. What a madman. <laughs> and so uh, what Art and I wanted to do was write something was uh, being able to then dissect and figure out how to alter Samus and Super Metroid. And a very short history of that. Um, it's over 4,096 8x8 pixel tiles overlapped and the way Art likes to describe it is basically you take all those 4,100 tiles and shove them all into a T-shirt gun and fire <laughs> it at the wall. And that's basically what they came up with for putting Samus together in Super Metroid. Wow. It's, we, we could do a whole episode on, on that, that combina- combinator, and, and people have asked for it, and I'm sure we'll get to it one day. But it's, oh, it's fun, fun to hear that it, it has a you know, significant part of the history of even just the sprite work of, of ALTTPR. Um, so whereabouts are we on our timeline in our history here? Uh, we're looking at February 2019. It was Sprite something. And basically, since then, we've just been... Uh, enhancing that application a bit more. Art has taken a little bit of a, a breather hiatus from it, and I've been uh, pushing forward a couple of you know, bug fixes that I can do. Uh, Art was more the back end 
you know, the binary manipulation. And I uh, specialize more in the user interface. And so the GUI you see is actually a fair bit of my work. And then um, I, uh, I would bug Art like once every couple of days, hey, this kind of functionality would be really cool in the program. Do you think you could put that together? And then usually he would come up with a very large essay of why it would not work out. Uh, but uh, the ones that actually did hit uh, made it out very well. And so the cool thing about Sprite Something is not only does it work uh, with just um, a link to the past, but the goal was also to get it working with Super Metroid. And we've also developed a brand new Super Metroid Samus Sprite sheet uh, that Sprite Something will take in, process, and then regurgitate back out into the uh, game file, be it Super Metroid itself, one of several uh, ROM hacks, the very important part is that it doesn't move Samus in the game file. As long as we've got that set, we're good to go. Sprite something to do what it needs to do. It's got a ton of custom code for uh, custom Samus sprites and injection into the combination randomizer. And the important part was being able to inject the link data into the link part of the combo game file and the Samus uh, data into the Samus part of the combo game file. And uh, we're up to just over 250 different options for link in a link to the past and also in the link side of the combo because it's, uh, we've gotten the same code put in uh, to the combo uh, base game file as well. And we're up to about, oh, I'd say 20 or so at maximum. Uh, custom Samus sprites that we've also uh, got ready to go. And just to touch, the Vario randomizer and the combination randomizer site do have support for most of these custom Samus sprites as well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put links uh, in the description so people can find those. Yeah, I have to imagine doing a Samus sprite is uh, maybe a little more complicated, more difficult than doing an ALT TPR sprite just by nature of like, the look of that game is that is that fair to say? That is fair to say. However, that is a big thing that I uh, that Art and I wanted to change based on the difficulty of creating a link sprite for a link to the past. Making a link sprite, we found that the uh, shared animation frames was really difficult to work with, and so that was something that we went into the development of sprite something with, with uh, the goal of making that part easier too. We didn't make any changes to the Link to the Past format, but we did want to make the Samus format a lot easier. And so while our Samus sheet has twice the amount of frames that the Link to the Past sheet has, the Samus sheet has full poses. For So what you put in for each full pose is what is going to be injected in one-to-one, -one, as opposed to the aforementioned uh, T-shirt canon format. So we're, we're kind of getting into, you know, the the magic that goes into making a custom sprite. I want to make sure I don't cut you off if there was anything else left to discuss in the history portion before we start about making sprites. That's not where we're at with the history. Let's move on to... Perfect. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, with that in mind, I I, I, I want to you know turn it over to you to uh, uh, tell us what you have on this, but I will say the one thing that I want to 
I guess I want to make sure by the end of this that people who are interested in, you know, who are curious about making sprites can go off and, and get started or, you know, that we point them in the right direction on this process, um, which I'm, I'm sure you'll cover here. So uh, with all that in mind, uh, what is the process of making a new sprite kind of like from the idea all the way to getting it into the game? Well, using the initial tools like uh, YYHR definitely made the process uh, a bit difficult. And so that's why we wanted to make these newer programs to make that easier to work with. And uh, so it's a learning curve if you're not into pixel art, but that doesn't completely ruin your ability to make a custom sprite. Um, our goal with all the way back with Ping to 4 BBP by uh, Spannerisms was let's not have the initial production be limited to one program. Our goal, use your favorite image editor. Mine is paint.net. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, at the Link to the Past Randomizer Sprite Development Department, uh, Fish, she likes using uh, graphic scale. And uh, Basley is also uh, one of my uh, cohorts there. And he uh, tends to use uh, the GIMP, I believe. Mm. And so the goal was Use your favorite and your familiar image editing program. Then all you need to do is make sure that the picture you're building, the pin image, is the correct dimensions, has all of the frames aligned appropriately, and we invented this, what we call the palette block, which is in the bottom right-hand corner. It's 8 by 8 pixels. And it is the different colors used for the different mail upgrades and for the bunny palette for Link in the game. And it took a little bit of creativity to build that, but um, we were able to get that rolling. Uh, we have a lot of layered images uh, that have easy way to differentiate the different frames, uh, labels for each frame. Uh, it comes with a link sheet in it. So what a lot of people do is they reduce the transparency of that one to maybe 40%. And so you can still see a ghost image of Link while you're drawing your own custom uh, sprite so that you have an idea of what kind of pose you need to bend your character into to make it so that it at least resembles what Link looks like originally. And then that will give you a good starting point then to run it through the animator to make sure that everything is lining up properly and like you don't have them facing the wrong way. Although we do have one custom sprite that is Link facing the wrong way, just because we could. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I haven't seen that one, but I'm not surprised to hear that it exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's very cool. So I, I love to hear that you open it up to people to use whatever they are comfortable using when it comes to creating the art. Uh, that I, I think is, is really nice because it's not like, well, you have to use this program. You have to learn how to use this program. It's like, you know, whatever you want to use, you can use that. And the really important part is that final sprite sheet. Um, the, it's like this really obnoxious pink color. Um, we can share an example of that in the description so people can, can get a sense of what that looks like. But um, once that has been, made you know what someone has you know they've taken their their favorite character and they've made it into a sprite and they've got all of these different uh setups uh you know and, and pictures that, that go there and they're all formatted correctly the right the right size and all that 
what do they do next? What is the process of uh, getting that put into the game, I guess, per se? Well, to touch on what you said about that obnoxious pink color, what's cool is these, yeah. these Sprite tools and Sprite Something are smart enough to understand the alpha transparency of the ping file. If you've got the transparency set to 0%, it'll use that as uh, the transparency color as opposed to the obnoxious pink. Gotcha. Okay, so you don't have to stare at the that eye-burning pink the whole time when you're making the sprites. Yes. Nice. Yes. That's helpful. Yes. Cool. And um, Z Sprite Tools was developed explicitly for Windows in Visual C. Uh, another big goal for Sprite Something, and another reason why we really wanted to move it over to Python, is so that it is multi-platform. And so I'm building binaries for not only Windows, but also Mac OS and for Linux. Gotcha. So about, um, you know, submitting a sprite or like once you finish, you know, what would you recommend somebody does next? Okay. So once you've got your uh, ink file done and you've done your own uh, personal testing, if you want, you know, to make sure that everything looks well, uh, you can use Z sprite tools or sprite something to inject it into a game file. You can put it into a randomized game file to get the custom glove palette colors, or you can inject it into the vanilla game file. You just won't get the custom gloves. You can then export as that Zarbi sprite file, and then uh, the submission process is wicked easy. You go to the link to the Fast Randomizer Discord, you go to the sprites channel, and you upload the ZSPR to the chat window, and we've got a bunch of people in there who can add it to the uh, testing queue. And we have a bunch of uh, fans that like to test. You know, They'll take the ZSPR that was posted, and they'll use the tools, so either Z sprite tools or sprite something, or there's a couple online patchers that can be used to put it into a game file, and then they'll try it out. They'll post their feedback to the general sprites channel. Um, we have a testing team that will uh, post it to our testing team channel, uh, and then we have a behind-the-scenes uh, custom testing sprite uh, list uh, for you know feedback. Okay, these have been tested. These still need tests um, and things like that. And then uh, later on, we've got the approval process, but uh, I'm not quite there yet, I believe. Um, yeah, so the biggest thing is peer review. Um, mm. That we got further down into tips and tricks, which is about here. So I guess I just jumped <laughs> straight into there. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tips and tricks I've learned. Um, use existing sprites when possible. Don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to especially if you can cram them into the 16 by 16 tiles that link is for each frame. That makes things a whole lot easier. Note, however, that it is a gray area legally because you're using intellectual property. So be careful around that. Right. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Yeah, what the, you know, I'm I'm happy that we have anything and everything and they're all loving recreations and tributes to these characters. Nobody's making any money off of these, of course, right? Right. So. And so uh, for Link, uh, getting the first row of the head frames and the locking animation done will flush out a lot of the animations for a good start. It's not going to give you everything, but a lot of the animations use those walking frames and use uh, the top row of uh, different heads uh, are used a lot uh, based on which way Link is facing. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, get that down and it kind of makes the rest of it easier for you. Yeah, and again, use peer review. That's really, really important. Um, if you are personally not ready to drop it into the queue and that's a bit intimidating, 
just post it to the Sprites channel and people will gladly test it out for you. Uh, one of the common practices is a fan who wants to try it out, like, hey, it's one of their favorite Sprites, or they're just like, oh, let's see how well it is, let's see if I can find any, um, you know, uh, technical errors in the sheet. And so the most common thing to do is get a randomized game file from the website, use these sprite tools, sprite something, or a couple of our online patchers to inject this brand new custom sprite into the game file, and then they just stream it to Twitch. And, you know, they have their running commentary on what they see, what, uh, what they like about it, what they think should be changed, what is a little off, a stray pixel here and there, you know. And that really helps a lot. And then they can share clips with the artist, or they could say, hey, here's the whole video on demand if you want to check out the entire thing, and here it is. Here's a full playthrough. Um, and so... That is super cool. Yeah, that is really awesome. If you're not as comfortable with that and you want to do it on your own, we've had a handful of artists do it so that, you know, they come in, they get the tools, they run off into their corner, they do all the work, they um, run it through Sprite Animator, they run it through their own game file, they do their own five, ten different playthroughs, and then just randomly we get, hey, I finished a sprite, here it is, and it's like, we haven't even seen them until now, and it's just, here's a whole brand new sprite coming out of the world. Wow. So people, I mean, you know, I guess people can sort of figure out how what is required of the process and then do the testing themselves and then just send it over to you. Yeah, just drop it there on the sprite channel and it's good to go. Other it's times, really that easy. Yeah, other times with the peer review, you know, it's like, okay, they want, um, you know, a step-by-step -step help, which is great. You know, we've got guides for that. Um, generally speaking, if you want your handheld the entire way, we're probably not going to be as warm for you. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there, there's there's a definite uh, degree of allowance there. And, you know, people come in, it's like, hey, where are the tools? The tools are here. Cool. How do I use this one? Or what order should I use them in? Here's the order you should use them in. Okay, cool. And they run off. They do the work that they're doing in their own uh, favorite image editor. They come back with the next ported uh, ZSPR, or they're like, well, I kind of need a little bit of help with this one animation. What do you think I can do? And another cool thing that uh, Sprite Something can do is it can export an animation. So say you're having trouble with the sword slash. You can export the sword slash, slow down the speed, and post that to the Sprite's uh, channel. And then everybody can take a look at it, and they're like, yeah, you know, the third frame looks like it could use a little bit of work. And then, you know, they go back in to their uh, source image, get that changed and move it on. Yeah. Um, it just depends on how much help you want at each step of the process. And there are many steps to the process. Um, but again, uh, it's not, it shouldn't be that intimidating because um, lots of people have made sprites in the link to the past uh, Discord and they can definitely help in that. One question is, you know, how long does it take you versus how long does it take a first timer? Well, the spectrum we've seen is invisible link took me 10 minutes because all i had to do was basically you know delete a bunch of frames figure out which ones i wanted to leave in yeah. for like special effects and such up to six months um our boy uh, tw roxas made uh Kirby, and huh. it took him a long time because he wanted to make sure he did it right he wanted sure. to make sure everything was you know laid out properly so that it wasn't going to look strange but the other thing with Kirby that he did was he only used the body frames. So there's no head frames used in the Kirby sprite. It's all the bottom half of the sprite. And that took some figuring out how to do for a couple of the ones where 
there is no body for or it requires the head frame to actually be uh, viewed inside the game. So you had to do a little bit with that. Uh, the Dead Rock does this with uh, some very uh, unique creativity there as well. On the other side, we have, say, the Boom Spread, which only uses head frames. And so we had uh -huh. to get a bunch of creativity for that uh -huh. to make sure that everything was properly represented there as well. And so, you know, let's see how far we can bend this animation engine to do what we want. And we've come up with some really cool stuff. That's awesome. Very cool. Do you know of any other sprites, just kind of to put you on the spot here for a second, uh, that do kind of weird rule bendy sort of things like that, just out of curiosity? Well, the one I made of the uh, purple test uh, does, that's just uh, body frames. Mm -hmm. uh, the Powerpuff Girls by Artho, I believe, had to uh, do some really creative stuff to get the top and the bottom lined up properly. So it still is actually using the uh, head and body frames. But the overlapping, um, again, the, the boost sprite is the top half. And then special shout out to Plagued One with his cursor sprite. The first thing that he made once we got him uh, pulled into the uh, Samus sprite development is, of course, he had to make the cursor for Samus as well. Mm. Another one of those silly ones was Headless Link. So we removed the heads to see what all that looked like. And then... The evolution of that turned into, I believe, the one called Blacksmith Link. Yeah, because what happened was um, somebody was doing a run with Headless Link, picked up the dwarf from, you know, the blacksmith uh, hut and, you know, was walking him back to his house. And the dwarf's head appeared basically if it was on Link's shoulders. So, of course, we had to make a full sprite. <laughs> That's pretty one. good. <laughs> yeah all right now that's a new one obviously yeah that one we had to put together um like one also put together one of the the hint tile that you uh talks to you through using uh you know telepathy yeah i think in in spirit of your advice of using sprites that already exist People have definitely taken that to heart, and pretty much every sprite in A Link to the Past is some sort of playable character at, at this point. Damn near. Uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> a popular thing. Um, I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Seabass601, uh, special shout out to them, made uh, one of a Super Nintendo controller, and they did their best effort to make it so that when movement is made or when an action is used, that button on the controller becomes highlighted. <laughs> what a mad laugh. Wow. Most That's definitely. Cool. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, so speaking of sprites that are already in the game uh, becoming custom sprites, I noticed there does seem to be one glaring omission there. Uh, and folks who have or, you know, listened to the show before have probably heard me complain about this many times. But is there a reason there is not an uncle sprite available to play in this game? That is my own damn fault. And I blame the rest of the community for not picking up my rough draft of the uncle sprite <laughs> to actually finish it. That oh, is the story behind man. that. And, so it's like halfway done out there. And check out that shade. You're welcome. Man, I, because I always assumed, uh, I heard like an excuse that it was like too wide 
uh, like the the sprite is too wide so it wouldn't look right or no one had like taken the time to try to figure it out. I pulled it into MS Paint a few days ago and I was like, I don't know, I've got the first three or four, like it doesn't seem like it's been that difficult to do. Um, so damn, who do I, who do I have to PayPal to get that? What people probably saw was his sprite when he's laying down in the secret passage that mm. would in fact be too wide to smoosh together. However, when he's leaving the house in standard, uh, world state, that is the one that we would like to uh, convert over because it's definitely player size. Okay. Now, all right. Well, to oh. answer part of your question, who do you have to PayPal to get that? Well, you can PayPal yourself. You can go straight to the Sprite channel right now. And in one of the pins, I have a rough drafts dot zip that you can download and open. And you can see a lot of my, uh, you know, like I said, it was a shitty rough draft of the uncle. I got 16 shitty rough drafts in that archive. Go for it. <laughs> All right, let's go. I know exactly what I'm doing when we're done with this episode. Uh, everybody look out for Uncle Sprite by Timp coming out <laughs> by the end of this year. Yes. I will get it done. Let's do it. All right. Cool, cool. So the last thing I wanted to touch on here while we've got you, uh, whenever we do talk about sprites, invariably at some point the conversation turns to, holy crap, there's so damn many of them. Yep. Uh, and I just wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to address that and, and kind of get your thoughts. Do you think it's good that there is over 200, almost 250 options? Do you feel like maybe the list should be called a little bit? What are, what are your thoughts on the... The, the sheer number of available sprites. I think the sheer number of available sprites, what it really does say about uh, that sheer number is it really reflects on the community and the creativity of everybody here. We wouldn't have all of these sprites if it wasn't for all of the members in the community that actually make these things. We've got at least, oh, if I had to throw a number out there without doing any actual number calculations, I'd say we've got at least um, 120 different artists uh, who have submitted sprites to oh, make wow. up to that 250-ish that we have now. And it's just really impressive. The other trick is, um, actually, we're way off. I'm taking a look at the uh, list here, and it says there's 290 available right now. So we're, we're knocking on 350. Uh, and unique values. I, I threw this into Google Sheets earlier this week just for a little bit of soft research. Uh, there is 129 different listed authors. Nice. I realize some of them are, you know, people using different names. So it's probably a little bit less than that. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. It is pretty freaking amazing. And so, yes, there are a lot of options. That is correct. We finally were able to implement a search box onto the Sprite preview page. Mm. And uh, that helps a little bit. Um, Art did make a back-end prototype of being able to make more feature-rich metadata. Because right now, it's just the sprite name and the author name is all we've got for the metadata. And so what he wanted to do was extend that and made a working prototype where you've got the universe that they're from, the perceived uh, gender, if there is one. Um, if it is... Like tags? Yeah, like tags. Exactly. Yeah. So a bunch of different tags, like um, what character it's based on or what character it's overriding. Uh, because eventually, I uh, was write something, just a, 
the little icing on the cake there and a little, uh, you know, carrot on the stick, we want to be able to alter sprites that are not just Link. You know, being able to edit the Zelda sprite to someone else. Uh, there is an old hack out there where it actually swapped Link and Zelda, so it was Zelda saving Link. We'd like to be mm. able to do something like that. Or say nice. you've got, um, use one of the Mario sprites and you put Peach in the Zelda spot. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'd heard that that was going to be difficult to do for the reason we talked about before with compression. Um, but do you think it would be possible to be able to switch other sprites in the game? Maybe do things like um, make the sword different or the flute, uh, the bird that comes to pick you up? That's been another common request. Do you think it would be ever, ever be possible to change those? In one of the festers, the uh, duck, swag duck was changed to a broom for the Halloween. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it can be done. Now, let me let you all in on a not-so-secret secret, secret, uh, because we've been talking about it in the Sprites channel and in the development channel. Carcat's evil plan is moving on to make it so that every graphic will be uncompressed in the game plan. Oh. Oh, wow. That sounds significant. That sounds like it would open up a lot of doors. It is very significant. It's going to take a significant amount of work to make that available. However, once it is available, then those will be in static positions. And let's see, do we have a program here that allows editing of different sprites in different games? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. Hmm. Sprite something (laughs) will be able to eventually have definitions for each and every one of those. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that point. Uh, I do want to wrap up this conversation, but before we do that, uh, Mike, what is your favorite sprite? My favorite sprite? Well, I'd say the favorite sprite that I've made myself has got to be the purple jet. Now, Mm. um, one that took a fair bit of ingenuity by another one of our uh, members, Beef Chan, made helped make the medallions sprite and that one actually is pretty damn cool but for my uh anime likings and needs i gotta mm. say i gotta play as uh, future trunks a bit more future try oh dragon ball z dragon yeah ball. <laughs> nice but the most awesome. adorable has to be mini ganon mini ganon that one's funny that's a that's a newer newish one, right? Is that V thirty one? That is a newer one, yeah. Yeah, awesome, very cool. Well, uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming by and talking to us about uh, sprite development. I feel like I've learned a ton, uh, got a lot of inside information. We are going to just kind of wrap this up, read some emails, uh, do some shout outs. Would you like to stick around for that? I would like to stick around for that. And uh, once we do get to my shout out section. Funny story. I'm not going to shout out myself. I'm going to shout out my partners. Ooh, okay. Awesome. All right, well, let's get to it. Okay, so we got uh, some feedback this last week. Uh, I'm going to go over it kind of quickly because it's all just like people being really nice and saying nice things about us, and it's embarrassing for me to read for too long. So we'll just read these out. We got some feedback in our Discord channel from Rai, R-Y, who said, So after listening to the latest step about randomizer logic, I got a seed that had hookshot. 
I had a seed that had hookshot locked on bumper cave. I had everything to get into TR, but hadn't seen the coin. Because of the talk in the episode, I took the first coin I saw to TR, and it turned out to be right. So I was able to dip TR, grab the cape in front, and get my hookshot. Thanks for the tips. Uh, so that was from Rye. And uh, you're welcome, Rye. Uh, ha- happy like to help. To, <laughs> sorry, I'd like to jump in there real fast. Yeah. Um, being autistic. It's not a coin. It's a medallion. Oh, okay. Medallion. All right. We'll, we'll make sure that uh, we, we've now we've got that correction. In, so, uh, but yeah, thanks. Uh, we're we're happy to, to help. I'm glad to get people, you know, thinking about their choices in, in different ways. And I think reading the logic is a very important skill to pick up if you want to improve at this game. Uh, we also got another email from Skeptic Canary who said, hi, guys. I've been a fan of ALTTPR for a while now, only just found out about your podcast. Just listened to episode 60, but I will definitely listen to some past episodes too. Enjoyed your chat about the festive randomizer. I was almost upset with it because I just learned to Harapot and it gave me a nasty surprise. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Tom, a.k.a. Skeptic Canary. So uh, do you guys remember at the beginning of that episode, we were saying that any episode could be somebody's first episode mm-hmm. and then Skeptic Canary comes in and totally <laughs> proves us right. That was his first episode. It must have been a very confusing uh, beginning to listen to. <laughs> but um, Awesome. Well, thank you to both of you for the kind words. Uh, it keeps us going and um, it's good to know that people are, are digging what we're doing. Um, you can email us at email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also find us at Twitter at gomodepodcast. And, uh, oh, yeah, we had another uh, person shout us out on Twitter that was taking a long, um, like, cross-country drive and was binging a bunch of episodes. So I, I'm sorry I don't have that tweet up right now, but shout-outs to you um, as well. Thank you for following us on Twitter. Um, and we're also on Discord if you want to talk about the episode Um you can join us there. We're always chatting away. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of overworld glitches, mentor tournament stuff going on presently uh, in there. Um, so let's do some shout outs. Mike, I'm interested, intrigued to hear this uh, shout out you have for your partner. So uh, the couple of people I work with, again, in the uh, Link to the Past Randomizer uh, community in the Sprite Development Department is both uh, Fish and iBasley. And so you've got uh, Fish underscore Waffle64 at Twitch, and you have iBasley at Twitch. And both of them are always uh, testing out new stuff. They're uh, really involved in their community. Uh, Basley is like the king of uh, community involvement. And uh, Fish's partner, uh, Zoda Stone, that's Z-O-D-A Stone, and he... Um, will uh, do a sprite test along with Fish. You know, they'll do like a dual stream and uh, be able to get a bunch of feedback uh, from them and from their viewers uh, to be able to help with uh, moving sprites down the uh, testing pipeline. Excellent. Yeah, all of those names came up quite a bit when I was uh, doing doing some research on this episode. Fishwaffle has more sprites on the sprite page on the ALTTPR website than any other author. Um, very prolific, as well as iBasley also has quite a few. So uh, both of them I know to be very prolific. Um, so awesome. Thank you for the shout outs. Uh, what about my co-hosts? What do you guys want to shout out this week? Uh, let's see. I want to shout out Yakuza 7, which I just finished today. Awesome game. Took me almost 60 hours. I didn't 100% it, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. 
really great game. Totally recommended. And uh, another big shout out to my PS5 that just arrived on release day <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Herf's been regaling us with uh, Tales from y- Yakuza Seven. It sounds like another incredible Yakuza game. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. Yeah, Dante, what about you? Uh, well, I'm I'm doing it again, but uh, I got to shout out how much time I'm losing playing Hyrule Warriors since that came out um, on Friday. Uh, so, what, three or four days at this point? And uh, I think I've probably already, already put over 20 hours in, but that's, I guess I'm kind of just, like, telling on myself more than I, uh, more than I'm shouting it out. But it, it's a lot of fun. They didn't, they didn't fix anything that people complained about in the demo, but it's fun, but sometimes... It, it it drops frames or uh it, the the frame rate drops even more so it's uh, a little frustrating uh, I'll I'll admit that it, since it's like worse than the demo in some spots but other than that uh playability wise it's it's fun and the story's pretty decent so uh you know I'd say wait till it goes on sale give it a shot have <laughs> hmm. have you been streaming it no uh no I I, I haven't been streaming this because if I stream this it's just gonna be me like staring at the screen the whole time and not talking to anybody because I'm it, it, it's, it's a war it's a warriors game you know so it's like it's sure. not super riveting gameplay unless uh you know you're just playing just that storyline hmm. yeah that makes sense uh I have a couple shout outs one is I started and finished the Amazon Prime original series the boys uh, I haven't heard anyone describe it this way, but I figured out exactly how to pitch it to people. It's like True Blood, but with superheroes instead of vampires. It's exactly the same, like pulpy, tons of gore and violence and sex and uh, superheroes treating humans like they're cattle. Uh, not unlike Paradise Killer, which is uh, the last game that I played. Maybe that's uh, like uh, something I need to look at. <laughs> I'm consuming a lot of media <laughs> where this is a common theme. Uh, but no, it was it's super fun, entertaining. I would recommend it to anyone who's into you know shows like True Blood or whatever. And then also uh, another one of my IRL friends, this one a buddy of mine from high school, uh, just recently started a playthrough of a randomized uh, ALTTP seed. I don't know why I said it like that. Of an ALTTPR seed um, on his YouTube channel. It's called New Game Plus Presents, and they've already released the first episode. And uh, they're having a bunch of fun with it. And I know for me personally, it's just fun to watch people go through it. They, they did an enemized seed and uh, they're just like being constantly shocked and surprised by the items and enemies they're seeing. And it's just a lot of fun to watch somebody sort of experience the game for the first time like that. So um, that's called uh, New Game Plus Presents. Please press start. Recorded by Josh and Derek. I'll go ahead and link that in the description. But go ahead and check that out. I was I was entertained. I think you, you will be, too. Um and, uh, oh, if you want to watch me play A Link to the Past Randomizer, you can do so at uh, twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Just another MSU stream uh, yesterday or over the weekend. Um, so going to be trying to do more of those before the end of the year. My co-hosts are twitch.tv slash Danty. That's D-A-A-A-N-T-Y and twitch.tv slash Herfy Derfy. Uh, Mike, are you uh, streaming on Twitch much these days? I've got a Twitch account. I don't use it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just just wanted to make sure before I before I moved on. Uh, but we'll have all the other uh, things that you mentioned. Of course, you know all of the things about sprites. We'll link all of those in this in the description. So 
folks can uh, read read up on them if they want to. Uh, with that, I think that's going to end the episode. Oh, um, rate us on iTunes. Uh, we have a donate button, all that stuff, you know, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I guess we will go ahead and end it here. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thank you again to our guest, Mike. And uh, we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks. Time to mirror out. Hoggers. <laughs> <laughs>